Thank you for choosing to listen to the First Love Podcast from First Presbyterian Church for June 14th, 2020 with Reverend Jonathan Warren. Reverend Warren's sermon title today is Risking Everything. You'll be able to also enjoy a guest duet with Andrew and Elizabeth Cleary singing My Jesus, I Love Thee and Lamb of God. It is a joy to worship together here today. I'd especially like to welcome all those worshiping with us. If you haven't already, please tell us that you're here. We have a few announcements in the back of your bulletin. Uh, There's a few I want to highlight. We have a do-it-yourself vacation Bible school coming soon uh, from June 29th to July 3rd. It's called Pioneers of Faith. It's an intergenerational blended half on-site, half virtual at home experience. It's, it's gathering families uh, together and doing uh, these Bible lessons with one another as pioneers in faith. Pre-registration is required so we can make a kit for your family. So if there are grandparents or parents who want to sign up, we're going to put a link up in our Facebook comments. It's also linked in our bulletin as well in the back. So I hope you all pre-register. You, if you aren't able to make it that week, there is an option to do some of the things at home virtually at any time. But please still pre-register and tell us that so that we can uh, make sure you get a kit. And now, as we open with our music, I want you to comment about where God's surprising you these days. Maybe it's in a, in a passage you've read in the Bible, a book you've read, a note someone shared, a kind gesture from someone, or it might even be that God is making you uncomfortable. What is it? Think about that. Share it. Where has God surprised you these days? And now, let us worship God.
Let us join together in the call to worship. God is with us right here and now. We open our lives to our Creator. God cares for us and gives us glory. We open our hearts to our Creator. God appoints us keepers of the earth. We dedicate ourselves to our Creator. come here to the font, sharing our brokenness, sharing those places where we separate ourselves from God. Let us share our confession with one another to God. Let us repent with one another. Let us say together, holy and eternal God, you created us in your image and gave us special responsibilities toward creation and our fellow human beings. You set us as caretakers for the earth and all its plants and animals. You anointed us as disciples and told us to make fellow disciples the world over. Dear God, as we look at our polluted earth, where we consume resources at an unsustainable rate, we know that we have failed to be good stewards. In many ways, we have failed to live as disciples ourselves. 
to say nothing of making disciples of all nations. We beg your mercy for our sins and await with expectancy the renewal of our minds and hearts that we may devote the rest of our days to protecting the earth and making disciples of all nations in accordance to your will. Amen. Let us silently confess our sins to God. Amen. Christ forgives us. He gives us hope and peace and grace and unending love and life. It is here where we are forgiven, where Christ makes us new. Know that you're forgiven and be at peace. Amen. Now let us join together in the unison prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It's The final greetings in this two-part letter. Let us listen to the word of God. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus is now I love 
listen to the word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today I have a special children's message, and I'm going to do it from right here. I'm excited about this because we're going to do a behind-the-scenes kind of camera uh, thing so that you can see what goes on in worship here on virtual worship here, okay? So I want to tell you um, how this is going to happen. You're going to help me be the floor director, which means basically telling which camera to go to. We have three cameras, number one number two, and number three. And so you're going to help say out loud right now, camera number one. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. Camera number one. And there I am. Look at that. Now we're on camera number one. So you can see me, and this is kind of the still shot that's always on me. And now we're going to look at our third camera. We're just going to actually look at it on the on the tripod and see what it looks like. So Tell me, help me out and say camera number three. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Camera number three. Nope, I messed up. Camera number two. That's it. Okay. So you can see what is happening on camera number two. Can you see the camera there? And then you can see Mrs. Solterman. Wave to Mrs. Solterman. 
Hello, Mrs. Solterman. We're glad to see you. And that's what camera number three looks like. And now we're going to say camera number three out loud. I messed up before. So get ready. One, two, three. Camera number three. And now you can see me. And you probably can see Mrs. Uh, Smith, too. Can you say hi to her? Hi, Mrs. Smith. So she plays her piano, and she's on camera number three. And I'm standing where Miss Stephanie would be singing as well. Okay? And now we're going to see who's doing all this action. Okay? So we're still on number three, right? And then we're going to go to camera number two. So you ready? One, two, three. Camera number two. And there's Mr. John Nelson. Can you see him? He's the guy who pushes all the buttons. And you can see him at work, and he's got a computer. And so his computer set up to all these cameras, and there's even someone in uh, around, somewhere else doing some other camera stuff. But you can see him and what he's doing. And now we're going to tell everybody. We're going to say camera number one, and then it's going to go to me. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Three. Camera number one, go. And like that, I moved. Can you see that? It's amazing, huh? Now, it's neat to have this technology, to be able to use this stuff that we don't always get to use. But it's also different, isn't it? It's really cool that we are technologically advanced and can do all these cool crazy technology things that my kids know way more than I do. And you probably do too. You're learning all these new things. But what I really would love and miss is having, I don't want cameras here the whole time. I can't wait until I get to see you here at this church. And we're praying and waiting patiently. I know it seems really long sometimes, even for us grown-ups and especially for our kiddos. So soon, we'll put all this high-tech stuff away. Well, it won't be in the pews, basically. We'll still have ability to show video for some people who still will need it. But soon, you're going to be sitting here, and I can pray with you, and I can see you, and I can wave to you right there in the pews. Because I love you and I care for you and I can't wait until that'll happen. But we are waiting just a little longer. And until then, we'll have these people helping out, leading our worship. So now let's pray. Let's wave, let's wiggle, wiggle, wiggle those fingers and put them together and say an echo prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for the gift of technology and for all the people helping us worship. We can't wait until we can get together and worship in our church. But we still get to worship you in our living rooms, which we love to do every Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My aunt was at her father's bedside as he was dying. And he said something to her that she'll never forget. I love you. Now, at first, this isn't incredibly surprising because that's what people say. But for her, this wasn't a common phrase she'd heard from him. In fact, she didn't 
know if she could ever remember him saying these words. Ever. She knew he cared about her and that he loved his family, but he was a man who didn't express his feelings, at least in words. He waited until he was at his deathbed. If he was going to save any last words to share with his daughter, I love you, mattered more than any other words. Now, similarly, in our scripture reading today, we come to the very end of Matthew. Jesus has died and he's come back to life, and now he's sending his disciples off. All these years of disciple-making have led to this very moment, knowing that one day he would hand things off to these apostles. Today, before he departs, he leaves them with a powerful command, one that still speaks to us as disciples of Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, the disciples know very well sharing the good news of Christ is very controversial because they witnessed firsthand how it nailed Jesus to the cross. It even says that some of the disciples were a bit apprehensive today. In verse 18, even after seeing Jesus in their midst on the mountaintop, some still doubted. They had every right to be anxious about this next phase because they were on their own, without Jesus, Jesus physically present with them. So it's in these last words that Jesus reassures his disciples, and remember, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. According to tradition, we know many apostles faced prison or were crucified, willing to risk everything to share the good news of Christ. And the only one who died a natural death was John, and his life still was filled with lots of risk. The last words Jesus spoke to them gave the apostles confidence and assurance to boldly share Christ's message, no matter the obstacles they were about to face. Much like my aunt being reassured by her father's love, I'm sure the disciples held these words close to their heart. Thomas Merton once wrote, I wonder if there are 20 people alive in the world now who see things as they really are. That would mean that there were 20 people who were free, who were not dominated or even influenced by any attachment to any created thing or to their own selves or to any gift of God. These 20, they are the ones who are holding everything together and keeping the universe from falling apart. The last words in Matthew should give us reassurance. To be like these 20, to risk everything. And yet it's very difficult to be set free in the face of adversity, isn't it? We still cling to our culture, to comfort, to our things, our possessions. Most of us as human beings, this is what we do. Except, of course, these fabulous uh, 20 and extraordinary people. Just like the disciples worshiping Christ on a mountaintop filled with doubt. We, 
except for the 20 alive in the world today who are free, cling to the things of this world. We cling to our comfort and the status quo, to the shifting tides of power. We even cling to the church and our political views, to money and our jobs. We cling to quick fixes, putting family above everything else, shopping, addictions. We cling to education and status, and even to fear and anxiety. As human beings, whether we follow Christ or not, most everyone in our world, pastors included, aren't free. Even when Jesus Christ gives us this great commission to go out into the world, to make disciples of all nations, to teach Christ's commandments, reassuring us that we'll never be alone, somehow we're still imprisoned and unwilling to risk everything. Yesterday, I turned 40. I honestly look forward to each year I age. I'm the guy at the restaurant who loves it when they announce my birthday, and yes, I love the attention. Now, I wanted one of those black balloons, over-the-hill kind of birthdays, just like my dad did and rolled with it. I was ready for it, but it just wasn't in the cards this year. Last week, someone gifted me a book by a seminary professor who marked his 40th year by taking 40 walks in a nature reserve, exploring the inevitability of death, the reality of his changing faith, and his changing sense of self. As I enter middle age, it's propelled me to go deeper spiritually through reading this book. And I wonder, what do I cling to? What holds me back? I literally have a pulpit to preach from, but there are many times when I shy away from difficult subjects, many times when I'm unwilling to risk everything, including my job, my financial security, my peacekeeping nature. Notice I didn't say peacemaking. Why am I not always free to preach the good news of Christ at any cost? I don't know how many of you ever watched the movie The Matrix. Neo, the main character, is given a choice of knowledge to learn the unpresent truth to, or to stay in blissful ignorance. The choice is shown by another character holding a red pill in one hand and a blue pill in the other. And Neo ends up taking the red pill of knowledge and it turns his world upside down. Now, about a year ago, I read a book called Waking Up White by Debbie Irving. And after reading it, I awoke. No longer to blissful ignorance. I had taken the red pill of unpleasant truth and discovered that I'm part of the problem of racial injustice. Every time I brought it up in a conversation, people became very defensive, I noticed. I discovered that systemic racism and mass incarceration are very charged and unnerving words for most people. But I still kept reading and watching more things about racial injustice, and I knew, I knew I had to do something. 
I wondered, what, what could be helpful? How could I bring my congregation into the fold? How could I teach something that's so divisive in a 12-minute sermon? I kept racking my brain, trying to unwrap this unpleasant truth. After reading about mass incarceration and the broken judicial system, I figured out the most impactful, lasting change would probably have to be with children. And I also figured out the only way to get buy-in, it must include a partnership. But, but Because why would anyone with pigment in their skin trust a privileged white man like me? Because I sure wouldn't. When and how could I ever move the needle without making folks in our church very defensive, very hurt, very angry? And the truth is, even after I learned and contemplated and prayed about it, call everyone a good white racist, which is the jarring title of Kerry Connolly's book, it means this. A good white racist is, number one, a well-intentioned person of European descent who is nonetheless complicit in a culture of systemic racism. And number two, a white person who would rather stay comfortable than do the work of anti-racism. I ended up living into this definition. I took the red pill of knowledge and then I got distracted doing a a zillion other important things in ministry. I'd go to a conference and read a new book or watch another movie and wonder again, how could I weave these words so delicately and powerfully to strike a nerve to change this broken system that we live in without offending or ticking off everyone? It's true. I mostly just chickened out. But things are changing today. Our country can't breathe. It can't breathe like this for very much longer. There's no convincing people today that there's this systemic racism. We see it. We're part of it. And we must repent of our brokenness, repent of the powers of this world that we cling to. For it's the only way to transformation and for God's kingdom of mercy and justice to unfold. And then after we repent, we must go out into the world, teach, living out Christ's commission, willing to risk everything to share the good news of Christ. And as Hebrews 12, 1 says, to lay aside the sin that clings so closely. Today, I'm one day over the hill. And I'm not afraid to claim that I'm a good white racist and to tell you too that you are. Today I'm preaching from this pulpit, unafraid to share the truth of Christ, unwilling to shy away from difficult subjects, willing to make you uncomfortable and willing to risk everything. Today we're reminded by Christ that there's nothing to fear, that we'll never be alone, especially when we teach Christ's commandments to love God and to love our neighbors. And I hope you're willing to risk everything too.
to hold me accountable because this freedom might not last for very long. I will start clinging to the ways of the world again, clinging to sin. I'll get distracted. I'll chicken out. I need your encouragement, just like you need mine, to be willing to risk everything, to live out Christ's great commission. We turn to the last verses of Matthew, and instead of an ending, we discover it marks a beginning for Christ's apostles to take that red pill of knowledge, the unpleasant truth, to be bold, to be willing to risk everything. We, too, are still at the beginning of this process, still learning how to be free. For it's time to push that number of free men and women in our world way above 20. As we go out into this world, even though I've just entered midlife, I still have a lot to learn. I'm glad we're taking this risky journey together with Christ because that's what gives me hope every hour and every day. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now let us join together in saying the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
to the time to quiet our hearts and turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. God of love and mercy, you've given us stewardship to care for this wonderful planet and to care for our neighbors. We have been blessed with a variety of gifts and talents, and you call us to use them to help our neighbors. Open our hearts today to ministries of peace with justice. Embolden us to become part of this great cloud of witnesses who were unafraid to be your disciples. I think of so many in this church and in our lives who have gone before us, braving the difficulties presented by life. We name them in our hearts before you, grateful for their example. We also name in our hearts those people who are ill, who mourn, who feel lost and alone, those who are part of cultures of oppression and indignity. Help us to be those people who, by our example, will break those chains of poverty and burst the doors that imprison their spirits. Be with this church that it may be a true witness to Jesus Christ in all that we do as we say together the prayer that Christ taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. During the offering music, I invite you to please make a comment about how you will give to God this week. And now let us give of our tithes, and our offerings, and our whole selves. Oh, 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 
Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Your gift of love, they crucified, they wrapped and scorned him as he died. A humble king, they claimed a cross, a sacrifice of now let us join together in saying the prayer of dedication. Lord, bless these gifts that they may be used for ministries of compassion. Bless these people gathered here, bringing their gifts and their lives in service to you. We offer ourselves and our gifts to you. Amen.
give thanks to God for all that God gives us. I want to show that book that I had commented about in my sermon. It's bold. It's bright yellow. It's called Good White Racist by Carrie Connolly. It's not an easy read, but I encourage you if you have a chance to find that book to read it. It might be that red pill that is unpleasant. It's what we need in order to be bold and live out in this world as free men and women. Let go of the chains. To live into Christ's hope it comes every hour and every day. And now let us receive the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the bond of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. address for our First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois. It's 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, zip code 62650. Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's office at F-I-R-S-T. P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G. You can reach us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash firstpresjacks. Our webpage is www.firstpresjacks.org. Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m., but we come on the air at 10.45 with a slideshow. 
We invite you to come and view us live on Facebook on Sundays. Leave a comment. Enjoy a great sermon by Jonathan and Warren and whoever is the special music for that day. God bless. <laughs>